the message last week and then the, um, well, all the messages that we've been doing here in the last few weeks and we'll do here in the next couple weeks as well are all about remembering, remembering the why of life um, and how sometimes remembering the why, which is essentially remembering your purpose, remembering the why is, is a little bit more about discovering the why than remembering it. If you've never been maybe in a position, and, and usually most of us are forced into the position of having to wrestle with the questions of why am I here? And what is this all about? And what is my purpose? And what am I supposed to be doing? Why do I feel so lonely? Why do I feel so empty? Why am I accomplishing everything that the world says I should accomplish? But then at the end, I still feel like there's something missing. And so, so we, can, we can experience or achieve fantastic success from a worldly standard and then get to the, get to the end and, and be like, but I'm still empty. I still feel it. I still feel that gap. And that's true on a general, that's not true from a general standpoint, right? But it's also true um, now as you kind of funnel down into some of the more specific areas of our life. Why, you know, what is really the, the actual purpose of my marriage? What is the actual purpose of my, like, as a father? Or as a friend? Or as a colleague and coworker? Like, why? Beyond, beyond there being just a, like, thanks, Finn. That's, that's service with a smile behind a mask right there. Um, you know, what are, what are, what, what is the purpose of these things? Because there is purpose, right? If we believe, um, if we believe that we were created by a God who takes chaos and creates order out of it, which is what, which is what Genesis 1 essentially describes, like there was chaos, right? And God spoke and order came to it, Right? We serve a God of order. So if we believe that God brings order to life, then we, we believe that, that that order has a, has a purpose. And, and that purpose is to reflect and to display God's glory. And, and so God's glory... Thanks, Jackson. Thanks, buddy. Um, and so, and so, the God, the, so the purpose or the why of all of life and of all of creation, which includes you and I, is to display and reflect the glory of the God that we serve. To reflect and display the glory of the God that created us. Because it is the, it is the one who creates the object that determines its purpose, right? Early in marriage, uh, when I was, when, I was going to say when we were first married, we might have been married for a year, we might have been married three or four years. So we were, Sherry and I were, you know, we're, we're, we're just beginning to learn how to communicate as a married couple, and, um, and we were living, uh, I was pastoring a church in Frewsburg, and we were living right down um, downtown Frewsburg, and we had this little back sidewalk, and it, had been, you know, like the, it hadn't been kept very well, and so there's like grass and weeds growing up and all the cracks, and she didn't like it, and so she wanted to clean up the landscaping, right? and I was off doing something else, and so she comes to me and she says, hey, do you have anything, do you have any tools or anything like that um, that I could use to like dig out like the, the dirt and the weeds and stuff like that in the cracks of the sidewalk? You know, and, um, you know, like, I was only half listening to the request, of course. Um, and I said, yeah, I mean, like, there's probably something in my toolbox. Just go and, like, find something, pick out whatever you, you know, like, whatever you want or whatever tool you need. Um, 
Well, so she picked out the tool that she wanted um, and she did a fantastic job. I mean, let me tell you what, like, like all of that dirt and rocks and weeds and grass, I mean, it was completely cleared out and I came out and I think, wow, that worked really good. And then I see in a pile um, next to the sidewalk is a pile of my dirty tools. You know, I was expecting, you know, like maybe a, you know, like a flat bar or a crowbar or maybe an old screwdriver or, or something um, like that. Uh, no, um, this girl, my, my queen, okay, my queen, um, I, I, I want to say I have, I had a set of like vintage Stanley Sweetheart wood chisels, right, sharpened to like hair popping sharpness, right, and let me tell you what, um, they work great <laughs> to get rocks and dirt and weeds <laughs> out from between, um, out from between um, sidewalks. And I looked at them, and then I remembered this conversation. Hey, do you have anything that I can use? And then I remember I kind of like see the whole situation before my eyes, and I see like myself not listening and telling her to grab whatever she thinks would do the tool in the right way and her going to grab it and then I see my chisels all chipped up and dinged up and, and dirty and then I realize, right, that, um, that you can use something outside of its intended purpose and it may work for a little while, right? But um, it really is going to ruin that thing. You know, it... It may take a while, right? It may take some hard work. Um, but when we, when we take something that was used to take really fine shavings of wood away, right? And we use it to dig out dirt and rocks. Um, it may work for that purpose, but it ends up chipped, nicked, dirty, ruined, and effectually at the end of the job useless. I had a conversation with someone this past week about the idea that our primary purpose or the why of our lives is to bring and display and reflect the glory of God. And when you've never quite grappled with that idea or that concept, it really strikes at the heart of the individuality and the um, and the, like, the world, like, I am the center of my own world type of feeling that has been developed in the, like, the, the, the modern world lately. Like, well, I, like, everything in, in life kind of revolves around me. All of my relationships, like, I see, I see my relationships, um, through the lens of Cameron, and I see my, I see my purpose through the lens of, well, what are my passions and what do I want to do and what do I want to accomplish? Like, what is it? Like, what, what do I think? Right? And so, yeah, you end up, you end up pursuing all these dreams and passions and goals and ideas and, 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 and they, may, they may well indeed be good. They may get the job done. They may clean the weeds out from in between the sidewalk, right? But if you never fully consider what you were created to do. You may be successful at the job that you're doing or the thing that you're doing, but eventually you're going to look like a chipped, scratched, dirty, purposeless, can't really be used for the thing that you were designed to be used for somewhere down the line. And so, yeah, I do understand that it. Um, it doesn't, like, the idea of you and I being created to display and reflect the glory of God rather than you and I being created to dis display and reflect our own glory, our own goodness, our own goals and plans and dreams and desires is an idea, I understand, that really does strike at the very heart of Western or American or like, I guess you can say, human-centered thinking. 
But if, if you needed reminded, um, you say the center of all things is not you and I. The center of all things is Jesus. We read last week um, that it was by Him and through Him that all things were created. All things were created for Him. It's Colossians chapter 1, verse 16. By Him and for Him, all things were created. You see, this is kind of like the the 20,000 foot view that we were talking about that, that first week. The purpose or the why of all things. But when we, so if we, if we start at that, if we start at the 20,000 foot view that encompasses all things that we were meant to display and reflect the glory of God, then it does, there is um, a necessity then to begin to, you know, decrease the elevation, so to speak, so that we can. So that we can begin to ask the question, well, what then is, what then is the purpose or then what is the why of like my actual like everyday encounters, life, um, existence? What is the why of my relationship with my wife or my relationship with my kids? What is the why of my relationship with my friends? We're talking about the why of uh, relationships this morning. And, um, and this can be a difficult one as well. Because we're, we're often taught and we're often told that relationships or the purposes of relationships are to fill an empty space in my heart, right? A void that I have, right? They're, they're meant to bring fulfillment into my life. They are meant to bring, they're meant to bring purpose to, to, um, to, to, who I, to who I am. They're meant to take this, this emptiness that exists, right? This, uh, it is not good for man to be alone idea in Genesis, right? And, and meant to fill that space. Like, relationships are meant to do something for me. And we have, maybe, right? Maybe not all of us, but, but maybe at times we have completely bypassed the idea that maybe relationships don't exist for your benefit and fulfillment at all, but maybe your relationships in life are like an empty vessel that you are meant to pour into out of the abundance of the Spirit of God in your life. Like, and it begins to change your perspective when you ask of a relationship not, what is this relationship giving to me, but, but how faithfully am I pouring into this person, this relationship, the things that God has given to me by His Spirit? Well, I mean, like, that just means that I'm going to walk around all the time and all of life just like, like just pouring out and pouring out and, and pouring out. And, and that doesn't feel like, like it's fulfilling my, that, that doesn't feel like it's very fulfilling. And that doesn't feel like it's fulfilling my purpose. Yeah, I get it. Because you're so used to being a chisel that digs out dirt that you think that everything is about your fulfillment. Right? And you forget that, that, that you did not create you so you do not determine the purpose of you. That's not your, it's, not, it's not your decision to make on whether or not this is fulfilling you or not. The reason, the reason that it's not fulfilling you is because you've lived so long um, not doing what you were created to do maybe in that relationship or not expecting what you were or not getting what you were expecting to get that, that now you're left in a place of like emptiness. I mean, here, here's a question. Have any of you in any significant relationship in your life, and I will let you define what significant is, whether it be with your spouse or your children, whether it be with your parents or siblings, whether it be with a very close friend or your colleagues, it doesn't matter. Like You determine what a significant relationship is in your life. Okay? Have you ever felt any of these things in the midst of or about that relationship? Have you ever felt like an emptiness in that relationship? 
or loneliness? Ever been depressed about the state of that relationship or bored in it? No one here has ever been bored in their marriage, right? It's always been very exciting and invigorating and passionate and like, man, I love this. It's something new every day. Right? Never been bored. I, I, just me, not you, right? Never been, you've never been restless in your relationships? Like, man, I just got to move on from this or purposeless? Ever feel like a, a sense of discouragement or a sense of, a sense of failure? Like, why can't we get it right? Why can't this happen? Why can't we? I mean, have you ever felt any, any of those in relationship? Yes, okay, in, in like regard to the, the, the significant relationships in your lives. See, when, when, we're, when, we're, feeling those, when we're feeling those things, that's like a, it's like a warning sign, right? That something is off in our relationships. Because indeed, yes, God did create us with the tremendous capacity to be in life-giving relationships, fulfilling relationships with each other. But when we begin to feel these types of things, it's like a red flag or a warning sign that we've evacuated our purpose in the midst of that relationship. And these things are symptoms of us treating the relationship um, in a way where that it was not meant to be treated. Because all of our relationships, although, although they are different, right? Maybe like patience with my wife is going to look different than patience with my kids, which is going to look different than patience with my, with my colleagues or my friends, right? All of our relationships definitely are and are going to look different but they all should um, but they all should as a matter of first priority reflect and display the glory of God that my my relationship with my wife should reflect and display the glory of God both both in like the 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 interdynamics of the relationship, right? So my interactions back and forth with my wife and her with me should reflect and display the glory of God, the goodness of God, the mercy of God, right? The, the righteousness of Jesus Christ, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, the fruit of the Holy Spirit. It should dis display between us the glory of God. But also, when others from the outside look at the relationship, they should see Jesus. Right? And, when, and when, when the interpersonal dynamics of the relationship reflect and display the glory of God, then everyone who looks at that relationship, they don't, they don't see Sherry and Cameron, right? They see the glory of God on display. And then, oh man, that, like, yeah, I, don't, I can't put my finger on it. I don't get what it is, right? Like, it's like the glory of God is mysterious, Right? Holy, like un, undefinable, but guess what? No one who has ever been encountered by the glory of God has mistaken it for anything else, right? And so from the outside, when it's seen, there is this like witness of the Spirit, like, oh my gosh, like that is, that is what God meant. That is what God designed. Like that, that is what God had in mind. So when we don't, when we, when we are feeling in the midst of our relationships, those things like emptiness, loneliness, depression, discouragement, failure, restlessness, boredom, um, purposelessness or discouragement, those are warning signs um, or emotions and feelings of not understanding and not remembering or never taking the opportunity to discover the why of that relationship. It's a red flag. Hey, start stop, start over, go back again, um, analyze the relationship, um, does it reflect and display the glory of God, 
okay, no, then what? Then what? How are we, how are we going to change? Here's the kind of the, the, the key foundational thing. We've kind of already said it, um, but it's that, that relationships, all right? Relationships are not meant to fill you or give you purpose. Relationships are not meant to fill you or give you purpose. Relationships are not your why. Your why is to reflect and display the glory of God. Right? The context of doing that can sometimes be a relationship. The environment for doing that can sometimes be a relationship. But if, if your sole 100% purpose is the pursuit of a relationship in order to fill that empty space in your life, right? Um, you, you may get that thing, but warning, okay? You will re-encounter the same emptiness, the same loneliness, the same purposelessness, the same boredom and restlessness and discouragement and failure as you did before you had the relationship if you never address how the relationship brings glory to God or reflects and displays that. This was, um, it's not, this isn't like um, sermon illustrations from Cameron's Life Day, but this is another one, right? Is that um, I've shared with you guys many times. Um, it's it kind of it kind of seems like a distant memory because we have five kids now. But there was a time when we had no kids, and we had no kids for a long time, uh, for seven years. Okay, and um, we were married in July of 2004. We wanted to be parents like right away because we both had this like just internal like longing and desire to raise children and to raise them in the, um, in the Lord and to create a legacy for, through our children in our parenting and all of that. And so we started trying to have kids like three months after we got married. Um, thank you, Jesus, for not giving us what we thought we needed when we wanted it, right? Because we weren't, we weren't ready. Uh, you're never, that's another story. Um, we weren't ready. Um, but we started trying to have kids and long story short, seven years later, we still didn't have any kids. And it was like, well, God, like, no, you don't understand God. Like I am, I am meant to be a father. My wife is meant to be a mother. That like, that is, that is why, like, I know that's why you've created us. I know I know that, like, this is the reason that you've put this desire in my heart. Like, I know that I'm supposed to be a father. Like, I don't, I don't know what, I don't know why you're not getting with the program, but like, get with the program. And we tried everything, right? We did, we had, we did fertility treatments, and um, we did like all of the, like, you know. We tried hard. <laughs> tried hard. Okay? Um, and it's never happened for us. Never happened. Uh, a long story short, we ended up adopting five kids, and we have five kids now, and they're all ours, and we love them, and it's been um, um, a difficult but great story. But there came a point about seven years into trying to have kids where... Um, where Sherry heard from the Lord, and she will tell you if she were here telling this story, the most direct, like the, the most direct voice from the Lord that she's ever, um, ever heard in her in, in entire life, from, from the beginning till now, um, the Lord telling her, Sherry, stop, let me do it my way. I want to do this my way. And um, she shared that with me, and I was kind of feeling in the same way, this sense of like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm tired of this. I don't want to fight with this anymore. Um, and what I, what I heard um, from the Lord was that you, he said, Cameron, you have been chasing happiness because you think that being a father will make you happy. Will make you happy. 
Like happiness will never, happiness will, will never fulfill you until you are um, perfectly happy with only being holy. Like if you, if you are only, if you are only chasing happiness, right, that will never, that will never satisfy you. But if you, if you chase, if you chase holiness, if you essentially fulfill your purpose of displaying and reflecting glory in, in your life and in, in, in your relationship with your wife and in your desire to be, um, to be uh, a father, um, chase holiness, happiness will come. Chase happiness, you'll never be holy. And it was when I finally laid down the pursuit of being personally fulfilled in my own dreams and desires of being a father, it was literally about three months later um, that, um, that we, we got a really, a, it was a random phone call to adopt a little boy, and we did. And his name is Noah, and he'll be 10 next month. So, um, <laughs> thanks. <laughs> um, and so, and so we, um, if, like, I was making my relationship as a father my purpose. And I was failing miserably. And so all of my life was then like being built on a foundation, or it was like building a house on sand. It was bound, it was bound to um, collapse. So if you, if you desire or if you define your, your worth in relationships, your, your purpose, your goals, your happiness off of the fulfillment of your relationships, you will always be chasing the next greater feeling, the next greater sense of, of um, fulfillment. But, but just like your... Just like your, just like our individual purpose is not about you, right? Your individual purpose, your individual why is not about you. It's about Him, right? Jesus is the center. Cameron is not the center. Jesus is the center. Cameron is not the center. Just like our individual purposes are not about us, our relation, relational purposes are not about us either. They're not about us. Paul says um, in Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 and 4, he says, um, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. You know what the Greek word there for nothing is? Nothing. You know, it's like there's, there's, there's no tricky translation there. Nothing means nothing, right? Do nothing out of selfish ambition. Like take yourself out of the center of everything that you do. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. But in humility, consider others better than yourselves. Yeah, but not my spouse, right? Like, not, no. Like, not my kids. Not my friends or my colleagues. Not the guy I don't like at work or the, you know, the person that you know, flick me off on the road and the, the way here, right? Not them, right? Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility, consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not just to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. I guess the, the, the question is, are we... Are we re reflecting this biblical value or this biblical principle in the relationships that are the closest to us? What I find is that it's incredibly easy to reflect these biblical values in relationships that are far away from us. The, the, the difficult work is to do it to the person that shares a bed with us every night or our, who, or, or our kids um, whom, if they weren't cute, would have been tossed in the garbage a long time ago, right? Um, the, 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 yeah, don't quote that on Facebook. Um, 
don't, don't quote me on that. Um, you get my point though, right? It's like, it's like the people that are, are closest to us are the most, it, 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 it takes, it requires the most grace from God to reflect these, these biblical ideas of, of taking ourselves out of the middle, right? Um, um, considering them better than ourselves. This is why everyone wants to go on mission trips across the ocean, but no one wants to go on mission trips across the road. It's because the, the, the anonymity or the separation in, like, between people somehow gives us this spiritual courage. And I understand, and I, and I get it, and I've been there, and I am there a lot, okay? Um, but, but, but what I'm saying is that there are, there are no qualifications for the people in our lives that receive this treatment of um, considering them better than us. In fact, Jesus, Jesus goes so far as to say that, that um, it is the way that we love the people around us in our relationships that defines and designates us as disciples to the world around us. He actually says that the, the way in which you love those around you is a direct reflection of how close you are following me. He says in John chapter 13, he says, the new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one as I have loved you. In the manner in which I have loved you. The same ways in which I have loved you, love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. How does the world know that we follow Jesus? They know it by the way in which we love one another. By the way in which you love your spouse and your co-workers and your friends and the guy that flicked you off on the way to church and your kids, even in the midst of the difficulty and closeness of the relationship, your relationships are a direct reflection and display of the glory of God or the lack thereof. And so in a, in a kind of in a pursuit of saying, okay, well, how do I maybe intentionally, how do I intentionally, um, I guess you could say, do an inventory? And, and this, is, um, this is a term that I, that I learned from, um, from AA and the 12 steps, is that like, um, they, they, one of the steps is to do a fearless, moral, inventory right and a fearless moral inventory is being unafraid of examining the decisions the relationships the circumstances of your life so that you can see them for what they truly are and that you can then make make changes that affect a different direction or a different outcome next time and and this is a this is a fantastic way for us to kind of reevaluate whether or not each relationship that we each each um, significant relationship is reflecting or displaying the glory of God is that we have to be willing to do a fearless spiritual inventory of the reflective nature of that relationship. We have to be willing to do that. Right. You have to be willing to do something difficult. You have to be willing to say, all right, well, yeah, maybe my marriage is not everything that I have been trying to propose that it is. Maybe, my, maybe I um, am way more frustrated and impatient and selfish in my relationship with my kids than I would like the world to know. Maybe, um, maybe I don't really have any significant friendships because I have trust issues and I don't like people and it's easier for me to be alone and so on and so forth or whatever the case may be, but, but taking 
right? Your, your significant relationships and doing a fearless spiritual inventory to determine whether or not you are reflecting and displaying the glory of God as you interact with others. I wasn't really sure how to define this as I was preparing. And I was having a difficult time even up to this morning <laughs> when I was like trying to edit my notes because I just didn't like the way this was sounded. But I, was ha I had like, the Lord was giving me this like vision of what it, what it looked like, like what relationships were supposed to look like. And so I was like, take, take, your, most, um, take your most significant relationship in your life and I mean, for me, um, and pr maybe for many of you, um, my most significant human relationship is the relationship with my wife, and so that's kind of like the test case for me as we're, we're going through this, right? And, and so I was like, okay, Lord, um, teach, me about, teach me about that relationship. Teach me about, like, my, what is my why in my relationship with my wife? What is my purpose in my relationship with my wife? It's not like, I'm not going to impose this upon her. I want you to speak to me, Lord. What is my purpose? What is my job? What have you designed me and purposed me to do in my relationship with my wife? And maybe that's your relationship with your kids that you're asking the Lord to do, or your mom or your dad or, your, or whomever, right? Mine is my wife, and I'm asking the Lord, Lord, give me an idea, give me a vision for what this means, for what the relational purpose is. And I saw this empty vessel that signified our relationship. It's empty. And that, and that my job, my purpose, the way in which... I was to reflect and display the glory of God in my relationship with my wife interpersonally was to take the, everything that God was doing in me by His Spirit and pour it into that relationship. So that as God was developing patience in me by His Spirit, right? That I was to be increasingly patient with my wife. That as God was, God was developing um, like kindness in me. And if you, if you have known me for any span of time, right? If you have known me for any span of, of years previous to being here at Conduit or whatever, you know, like kindness and gentleness have, have not always been words that people have used to describe Cameron, okay? And so, so as God, through His Spirit, is, is developing kindness and gentleness, in, in, in my life, as the, as the Holy Spirit of God is, is working to refine and to, and to sanctify, to, to sanctify me, like, how is, how is that kindness, how is that gentleness being, being poured into the vessel of my relationship with my wife? Would, would Sherry say that all of her interactions with me are full of kindness? Or am I more harsh? Am I bitey and sarcastic? Am I snippy and rude? Or, or am I treating her and that relationship with, with, the, with the gentleness that I would expect um, someone, another man, to treat one of my daughters with? Right? Because, because Sherry is the daughter of the king. And so, like, my, <laughs> um, be very gentle with that, right? Be very, very gentle with that, very, very kind with that, very, very, very patient, right? And so, as you, I think if, as, as you examine your, your, um, um, your significant relationships, it's maybe, not maybe, it's imperative that you do a fearless spiritual inventory on the nature of your relationship and then you ask the Lord, Lord, is this relationship reflecting the fruit of what your Spirit is doing in me? You know, Paul says in Galatians chapter 5 
that, that the fruit of the Spirit living in us is, is very um, distinguishable. And I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't suspect that, that Paul was creating a comprehensive list of all the things that were included in your life when, um, when, the, when the Spirit was at work in you, right? Certainly there are other things, but this is like pretty much like magnum opus type of list of like when the Holy Spirit of God, when you allow, when you believe by faith in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit indwells you by faith in Jesus Christ, right? And you begin, he begins to, he begins to um, sanctify and change and wash with the blood of Jesus and the waters of baptism, your who you are, your very nature and character. And so, like a, like a tree that has been planted in soil and is healthy, fruit is developed in a life that is lived by faith in Jesus. And Paul says that the things that you are going to see in someone's life when they are living by faith in Jesus with the Holy Spirit in them are things like love. Man, you're, you're just going to see people loving each other and loving others. The fruit of the Spirit, he says, is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And he says, against these things there, aren't, there is no law, right? This is the, the center of the spiritual life, right? If you are full of the Holy Spirit, and you are following Jesus, but you're not growing in love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control in your relationships with others, right? Then you better ask the question, am I really following Jesus? If I'm not, if I'm not, if I'm not exceedingly growing and being sanctified in the things of the Spirit, then do I have the Spirit at all? And so when we take our relationships, it becomes, it becomes a, a, it can be a fearful thing to do an in, a spiritual inventory of our relationships because we are forced to ask the question, have I been failing in this? Have I been succeeding in this? Or do I have the Spirit of God at all? And the good news is, right, um, is that if you don't have the Spirit of God, you can like, like right now, right? It's not, it's not a, um, it's not a, a, a fifty-step plan, okay? It's a receive by faith. Receive by faith. Trusting in Jesus Christ and the Spirit of God. Paul says the same Spirit that raised. Christ from the dead will live and dwell in your mortal bodies and will, will raise you again to new life as well, he says in Romans chapter 6. Right? And so, so we look at our relationships and we say, okay, maybe I haven't been getting it right. Maybe I have, for, maybe I have forgotten. Or maybe I never knew. But, but now I know. Now we are without excuse. Right? And so, in, in the midst of being without excuse, how will I go forward? How will I take these things from Galatians chapter 5, the fruit of the Spirit, and how will I begin? How will I begin to be more loving, gentle, and faithful with my spouse? How will, be, how will I begin to exude increasing patience and kindness and joy with my kids or goodness and peace with my friends or kindness, faithfulness, and gentleness with my co-workers? I can't answer that for your significant relationships, but I, but I do know Right? That when we, what I do know is that when we ask the Lord to help us be more like Jesus, 
he answers. When you ask the Lord to give you his spirit, he does. This is the final question here this morning is um, similar to something that we have already discussed, and that, that is like, well, okay, um, I understand that each relationship is like an empty vessel that I'm pouring in, um, you know, like the Spirit of God into, the fruit of the Spirit of God into. Where does that leave me? Like, it feels like if I just keep pouring and pouring and pouring and pouring and pouring, at some point I'm going to be empty. Okay? Um, the reason that we get empty when we pour and pour into other people's lives is because we're, we're pouring with the anticipation that that relationship actually exists for us and that we are going to be, like, fulfilled through it. Like, i got to be nice to this person so they're nice to me so that I feel better about the relationship. Right? Well, the relationship's not about you. Okay? It's about reflecting and displaying the glory of God. And so fulfillment comes in life as a byproduct of being who God created you to be, not as a result of you chasing down fulfillment. Like, like you, will, you will discover another level of personal and relational fulfillment when you become the person that God has created you to be, reflecting and displaying His glory in the relationships of your life. You will begin to discover that this is what I was created to do, and the Holy Spirit of God will fill you with everything that you need to fill others. Now, I also understand that because relationships are complicated and difficult, that this can be like doing like kind of a fearless spiritual inventory can be a frightening and difficult and feel like a powerless thing to do. And I don't want you to leave here um, feeling like you don't have, have um, the both practical support and spiritual tools to do that, right? And so, um, you know, would... would um, as we're, you know, beginning to, to close up here this morning, and as the, I guess we'll have, have the worship team come back up, as we're beginning to um, close here this morning, um, if, you, if you would desire, if you desire prayer this morning um, to, to receive um, courage, uh, faith, uh, the power and presence of the Holy Spirit in in your life, so that so that so that you can walk, that you can you can walk into relationship and and display the fruit of the Spirit in your life in that relationship, in that relationship, in that relationship. Then I I want to pray that you would receive this morning. You would receive the courage that you're asking the Lord for. That you would, would receive the faith that you're asking the Lord for. That you would receive the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit that you're asking the Lord for. And so, I'm going to open up the um, open up the altar here. The the kneelers, if you would like to be prayed for, um, I'm opening it up. And I will. Um, there's plenty of room here on both sides. Um, if you definitely want me to pray for you. Remember, come to this side. Um, if you want to pray for yourself, you can go to this side over here. Um, or I'll try and get over here as well. Have some other people, um, you know, you know who you are, and come up and help pray for people um, as well as you get up here. So um, uh, let me pray for us all now. Uh, why don't we all stand?
Lord, we are here and we are listening. May, may your spirit, Lord, fall afresh on us. Lord, we know that your, your, your spirit comes and, and can fall gently. Lord, and we know that your spirit can come and fall like fire. Lord, we, we are praying that You would fill us with Your Spirit. Fill this church, Lord, with Your glory. Fill these people, Lord, with Your resurrection power. Lord, that we may bear fruit that reflects and displays your glory. For the sake of, for the sake of your creation, Lord. For the fulfillment of our why. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh upon us. Lord, may you open hearts this morning. May you break down walls. May you bring courage and faith. Lord, may by the authority of Jesus Christ in heaven you hear our prayer. Lord, and like a mighty rushing wind, may your spirit fill this place. In Jesus' name.